Welcome to another episode of Ed Luminaries with Alejandra Zertuche, CEO of Enflux, who brings you powerful educator perspectives hailing from all walks of life. Get inspired and obtain great takeaways that you can apply to help set your students up for success. Sometimes all it takes is to hear how innovative educators approach similar problems and overcome obstacles to support breakthrough academic success. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Alejandra Certuche and you're listening to the Ed Luminaries podcast where we talk with educational leaders to find out how they're thinking and working creatively to drive student success. In today's episode of, of Supporting and Advancing Student Affairs Assessment, we're going to hear from Joe Levy, Executive Director of Assessment and Accreditation at National Lewis University. Joe, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm so excited about um, discussing a lot of stuff that we have shared before this podcast. <laughs> um, but most importantly, talking about what does it mean, Supporting and Advancing Student Affairs Assessment? Yeah. What's the story behind that title? Sure. Well, um, when we think about higher education in general, largely there are two big buckets for operations. There's the academic side of the house, and then there's the student affairs, student services side of the house. And when it comes to resources, uh, unfortunately, student affairs tends to not have as much as academic affairs. Um, but that also trickles down then to assessment. And so when we think about assessment of student learning and thinking about how we can be um, best measuring and evidencing uh, and, and checking the reality against our expectations of the impact we hope we're having on students, that's important work. And oftentimes student affairs just does not have a dedicated person to lead that work. Um, you know, sometimes there, there is no designated person. And, and even at the university level, that university person maybe even doesn't dabble in it. Um, so uh, there is much to be desired in terms of resources in this space. And so I'm part of an organization, the Student Affairs Assessment Leaders, and we provide free resources. To, and, and our whole mission is to create this inclusive, uh, supportive community to advance uh, critical conversations around student affairs assessment, because we know that it's important work. Um, we know that the people doing it um, are very talented in subject matter experts in what they do, but maybe not in assessment, and uh, they may not have the resources and support on campus. So we try and provide that for them. That's wonderful. And the organization, the name of the organization is Student Affairs Assessment Leaders. Correct. Can you tell us a little bit more about the organization, how it started, who's part sure. of it? Yeah, so um, it started around 2008. And uh, at the time, it, it started similar to what I was discussing. You, at that time, and even still, unfortunately, at a number of institutions, when it comes to student affairs assessment, a lot of times they will look to directors of residence life, career services, a given office and say, hey, can you, on top of your job, and on top of doing assessment for your area, can you help encourage your colleagues and coordinate work across campus? So at the time uh, of the few positions where people did have a full-time person doing this work or when they were just really figuring out what worked on their campus uh, through NASPA and ACPA conferences, people started getting together 
And beyond those organizations, which have their own sort of subcommittees and supports for student affairs assessment, they realized, I wonder if there can be a more inclusive and open community because while NASPA and ACPA do great things, there's also a cost to participate and people may not always have those resources. As I mentioned, student affairs is not always as well resourced an area. So they thought about how could we come together and bring people together to support this work. So the Student Affairs Assessment Leaders organization was born and it started out as just a listserv, uh, just to get people talking and sharing among one another and swapping uh, templates and, and, and documents and report examples. And we grew from there. Um, you know, we have always had, a, um, at least the past couple of years, we, we have well over a thousand people that are actively part of the membership. Clearly people come into and leave uh, our, our membership as, as they advance through their careers uh, or also have career changes. We, as far as membership is concerned, it's, it's free, uh, but we gear it towards people who are involved in student affairs assessment. Uh, and that includes you know, students, graduate students, uh, staff members, faculty who may be involved in that work. Um, and again, what started as a listserv, you know, then we started doing webinars that we call structured conversations. Um, then we moved from there to then having a blog. Um, we actually then currently, you know, we helped create and support uh, a journal, the Journal for Student Affairs uh, Inquiry. And we also uh, provide, we recently launched a podcast. We have a Dropbox where we provide all sorts of resources that we crowdsource through the listserv. And probably the, the thing that's near and dear to my heart is we run an open course, a MOOC, a massive open online course that helps uh, support and advance assessment. That's one, and that course is the one that is happening in next year, February yes. 6th. Yep. Yeah, we've, we've run it for, this will be our seventh year. And the origin of that actually, it, it started as similar to the organization we thought, well, wouldn't it be great if we crowdsourced some of the main uh, pain points and the primary aspects of assessment work that people could really use resources on? Um, and again, books may exist, uh, <laughs> things that you could buy may exist to help with that, but we wanted to create something free as well as have it represent perspectives from across uh, the nation. So we got a lot of people together and we made these um, PDFs and then thought, well, what do we do with this? And I said, well, what if we could turn it into a course? And I leveraged my connections at Colorado State University because they already had some student affairs related MOOCs and they helped us take this content and build it into a course. Uh, and the rest is history. Uh, we've, we've been running it as a course. Um, our first was in 2017 um, and we've served almost 10,000 people uh, over the course of the run, we only run the course once a year. We average over 1,600 people uh, each year that, that participate and have just heard amazing success stories and appreciation, and um, which is evident in that um, the most common way people hear about it is word of mouth in terms of you know, it being recommended for them to take the course the next year. And we've consistently had you know, really high marks, you know, over 90% in terms of satisfaction or rating it four or five stars. Um, so people really like it. And it, it uh, and that's also evident by the popularity of people continuing to come back. That's wonderful. And what would you say is the time commitment of someone that comes in and wants to go through the courses? Yeah, so the beauty of the course is that it's, scheduled, it's structured for eight modules. Uh, and those modules are laid out. The course is open for eight weeks, but everything is asynchronous and self-paced. 
Um, and the way we designed the course is that we anticipate and expect people to spend approximately one to two hours per module. So as you can imagine, that could just be eight to 16 hours in total. And so some people finish the course pretty quick. <laughs> they finish it that first week. Some, um, you know, take their time or they join later and, and finish it later. Um, and some people, you know, one of the things that we include in the course, because it is somewhat of a survey course, uh, geared towards beginners uh, or folks who, who are really looking for assistance in, in accreditation in assessment, we, for each module, we have a further learning section so that if you really want to dig into a certain area, such as using data to inform decisions or, um, you know, having a critical lens and using assessment to advance equity, we give you a wall of resources and additional things to dig into. So clearly you might spend more than one to two hours on that module, but you're choosing to further engage there. So if you were to just take the course straight, um, we designed it so you're spending one to two hours a week. And what we find from our, our, our participants is that's generally what they spend. The vast majority of students spend two hours or less per, per module. And, um, and which is great because we know that people are working professionals and they didn't necessarily anticipate or may not have time, so to speak, to dive into a course here, um, but to give one to two hours a week and to know that it's flexible and on their schedule. So, you know, when you just happen to have a pocket of time that you can dig into the course. And one of the cool things too, that we always encourage people is even if you can't dig into the course during its set time, sign up. Because first and foremost, we built this to be a resource. And one of the things that we've been thankful to maintain uh, in our partnership with Canvas is that they always leave our courses open in the sense that um, while you can't sign up to join an old course, if you were um, registered for that course, you maintain access. So people, even from the course back in 2017, can still go into that course shell and access information from it. So we encourage people, even if the timing of the course doesn't exactly work through your schedule. Sign up if you're interested in these resources because you can always go back and dig into it whenever it does fit your schedule. How can how can they find this information? Where they can where can they go and, and sign up for the courses? Yeah. So uh, if you go to our, our main website is studentaffairsassessment.org. Um, but if you enter studentaffairsassessment.org slash online dash hype open dash course, or just go to the main site and along the top, you can navigate to the tab for the open online course. On that page, we'll have all the registration information. Um, registration is opens December 5th. So at the time of this recording, it's, it's not open yet, but what we have there is a little real simple Google form so that if, if you put in your name and the email address, we will personally email you when registration is open and send you that direct link. Um, otherwise, once registration is open, that um, contact form will go away and a button to register will appear. Uh, so, so that main site will be the, the way people can go in and sign up. And I know I mentioned Canvas, but um, we're operating on um, a part of Canvas's platform that is separate from the, the part of the platform they use with institutions. Because I know some people get a little confused and say, oh, well, my, my campus doesn't use Canvas as our LMS. And it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's you can sign up. You just need an email address because uh, again, the the course is free. Um, but but Canvas is the the interface, the that platform that you're using to deliver yep. the course. Yep. Yeah. Wonderful. And we'll put this information in the podcast so people can register. Uh, we're distributing our newsletter in the first week of December, so perfect timing. 
yeah. we'll send that information um, with the newsletter. Um, and Joe, can you tell us about what's the most popular course out of the different modules that you have? Oh, that's tough to say, um, both because I, uh, so let me first say that the way the, the course is co-taught, we have three instructors. So people who take the course benefit from multiple perspectives, in addition to the content having been refined and designed by multiple people. Um, so <laughs> my first hesitation is because I specifically teach and oversee two modules. And so I like to think mine are popular <laughs> ones. Um, but, you know, it, it really depends. Uh, like I said, we're, we gear the information towards beginners and, and intermediate level folks. Um, but we find that, you know, even folks who would self, um, self report that they are advanced in assessment still find great information in here, additional resources, new perspectives. Um, uh, you know, what I will say from, from past survey results and past student feedback, um, some of the, the major modules people appreciate are the um, aligning assessment of institutional priorities, the critical approaches and mindsets. And so that's a module on uh, how to use assessment to advance equity, using data to inform decisions, and the culture of assessment. Uh, folks really appreciate the culture of assessment one. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we get good praise on all of them and it really depends on what people are looking for because if they're looking for a certain content, then that might be their, their favorite module um, even though they appreciated the other ones as well. And um, how many people are participating? Like how many people did it take? How, how big is the village? that created the courses. Yeah, so that's one of the cool things that um, we, we make sure to give, give uh, acknowledgement to on our, our website is we have a tab for faculty and contributors where we list our faculty first and foremost, and then we list um, some of the contributors who have been part of the process. And we even put like the years they've been involved. So you can see how some folks have been involved with us all the way back since 2015. Um, and and as time goes, you'll see like we continue to add people who are chiming in like, you know, just this past year, uh, which is great. And we continue to get multiple perspectives uh, because even though we run the course, the same course every year, we always make tweaks and enhancements based off of student feedback and participant feedback, to, as well as we try and keep it relevant. And so we're staying aware of the trends in higher ed, new publications and redoing our videos, redoing our content, adding new resources to keep it fresh and uh, pertinent to the landscape of assessment today. That's wonderful. I'm, I'm going through the website and I can see that's an extensive list. That's impressive. Um, no, that's great. Um, what else can you tell us about the organization? Um, let me, I'm, I'm really interested into the blog, who writes the blog, yeah. what are the topics that you talk about? Well, the, the cool thing with the blog is that you can you can go in and you can see on the side, um, not only the archive in terms of dates, uh, but you can always search by keyword and then it'll bring up certain blogs by keyword. But we really um, have a lot of topics that are covered. And you know we do have a dedicated blog team um, that we uh, take nominations and have a process for each year. Uh, but we also welcome guest blogs. And so it's really cool that we get not only people who, uh, we get to elevate the voices of people who really want to write and, and, and that's their, their passion and what they want to do for the year. 
but then we also get people who just have something really important to say or to contribute to the conversation around assessment. And so we're um, thankful that we are able to have a platform to promote those voices and and to allow people to hear and think about assessment from many different ways, because we know that there's no one single way to do it right. And what may work at one institution doesn't work at another one. So it's important for us to share these different perspectives, um, which is why, you know, sometimes we'll have blogs and or our structured conversations that are, you know, spaced out, but we'll cover and revisit the same topics of like assessment committees or, you know, how to get started or how to motivate other people to engage or what to do with reports and how to use your data. And, you know, it, it's beneficial to hear about what that looks like from different perspectives and different institutional types, as well as different levels. You know, we have some graduate students who are some of the bloggers. We have some seasoned professionals. So um, we, we know that our membership spans that type of uh, career um, inclusivity. And so we want that represented with the perspectives that we're sharing in our resources as well. I really, really uh, invite all, all of our listeners to visit the website. It's an incredible website. It's studentaffairsassessment.org. Please go to the website, take a look at the blog, take a look at the journal. Please register for the course. I'm actually thinking about registering for the course. I'll do that in the first week of December. Yeah. Um, I can always nerd out about assessment and how to use data and how to how to tell a story, right? It's extremely important. How do you tell a story with the data and with the assessment findings so that you can build that culture of assessment? Yeah. Um, so I, I'm inviting everyone to participate on that. And Joe, thank you so much for sharing with us about the organization, but tell us about who is Joe Levy? <laughs> yeah, uh, well, yes, I'm Joe Levy, and my current <laughs> role is I serve as the Executive Director of Assessment and Accreditation at National Lewis University. Um, but my path, and one of the reasons why I'm a board member for the Student Affairs Assessment Leaders is that I came up on the Student Affairs side of the house. I was a super involved undergraduate uh, student. I did just about everything you could do as a student. Um, and so I knew by my, I had already set my sights by my junior year that I was going into higher ed and that's the career I was going to do. Um, I went straight from undergrad to do my master's work and got my master's in student affairs and higher education. Um, and while I worked with just about every functional area, you know, the thing that I really appreciated was assessment because my undergrad, I was, um, an English major with a math minor, <laughs> so complete <laughs> opposites, but um, that idea of storytelling and data really appealed to me. Uh, so actually right after graduate school, I went and worked for an educational technology company and got to consult and engage in assessment practice with institutions across the US. And that you know just really helped me learn so much about assessment practice playing out in higher ed, um, and then went from there to then doing the work myself on campuses. And assessment became the way that I was able to backdoor my way into academia and, and cross that threshold of, um, you know, because as I mentioned, there typically aren't a ton of directors of student affairs assessment. So I became a director of institutional assessment, um, but clearly was also responsible for student affairs and co-curricular assessment um, and got into a bit of a habit of being a fixer and going to some institutions that were maybe on notice with their accreditor because they weren't doing good work in assessment or, you know, as of late, the one of the most frequently cited things for institutions. So assessment has been one of the top cited accreditation issues um, for the past 
five years running with accreditors. But within that, the the past couple of years where where accreditors have also been um, calling for change with institutions is around the co-curricular or student affairs assessment. Um, so it continues to be important, relevant work. And so even though uh, my day job is heavy into accreditation and then heavy into academic assessment, um, student affairs assessment still has a, a stronghold on, on the work that I do. And um, having come up on this side of the house and, and being a, a student affairs person in my heart, uh, I, I can't help but be giving and, and wanna give back. And so it's, it's been great to volunteer with this organization for, um, I've been involved with them since 2014, actively in terms of being part of committees and, and in a leadership role. Uh, and um, even though like I'm one of the only people left in terms of board mm -hmm. leadership and committee leadership from, from the time when I joined, uh, I, I just can't quite give it up. It's, it's too rewarding and um, we're just doing too many exciting things. So uh, that's, that's me. No, that's wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing your story and for joining us today to tell your story and to share with us your organization. We'll provide all the information on our website and our newsletter uh, and in the podcast so that people register. So that's registration opens in December 5th. December 5th. Um, but they can go and register before that so they get an email notification. Yep. They, they go, if they go right now and give their information, um, we'll track it and then once registration is open, I'll personally email them to, to send them all the, the, the information to get plugged in. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you uh, for the listeners um, for today's series on applying and leading assessment in student affairs. You can subscribe to our events by going to mflux.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn where we post announcements of our solutions and resources like today's session. I'm Alejandro Zertuche and you have been listening to Ed Luminaries. Just listen to Ed Luminaries, inspiring stories and ideas from educators to educators with Alejandra Zertuche. Connect with us at edluminaries.com to join the conversation and access the show notes. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts.